1: Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. I am, of course, Mike Abadir. Today is Thursday, December 29th, 2022, which means that this is the last show of 2022, last show of the year. Hope everyone had a very merry and blessed Christmas and a happy holiday. And as we embark upon the new year, there's still some sports to be played on this side of 2023 and a lot coming up early in the year for 2023 as well. So, there's a lot for us to get through today, Pop. How was your holiday? How are you, brother?
2: Uh, well, you know, when you don't have children, Christmas is different for you. For sure. You know, Christmas is for people who have kids. Let's, just, let's keep it real now. You can opt out of gift-giving when you don't have children.
1: That's all I can say, Mike. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, I don't care how old I am. I'm always going to be eating.
2: Yeah. And you were <laughs> and you were in Vegas too, so you had your you had your taste choice. You probably would, but I hope you went across the street to uh, Caesars to uh their beautiful buffet or knowing well if I was with you we would have went to the win or something like that.
1: You know, man, um I can't even I can't buffet afford, is the I best. Can't afford a good meal in Vegas, man. This place has gotten through the roof, it's crazy. You spend like twenty bucks for a hot dog.
2: Mike, you know what you got to do. You got to get your butt up off that strip. Stop doing that. There's plenty of places around in Vegas that you can pay $8 for a hot
1: dog. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I told my dad, because, uh, you know, my dad and not here. I'm like, all right, dad, let's, you know, we could pick a, a couple of nights where we, uh, you know, go to that steakhouse or whatever. But let's kind of try to sprinkle in, you know, maybe like a Taco Tuesday somewhere. I mean, we're here for a week, right? Let's sprinkle in some bar food, some wings, some whatever, you know. And every day he's coming up with a new exotic thing that he wants to eat. I was like, I don't even know where to get that back at home. What are you talking about? You know? So, uh, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I hope everyone has had a good sports uh, last few days. There's been obviously a tremendous amount going on, as there always is in – you know, the bowl game season, Christmas season, New Year's, etc. What's kind of been um, the biggest thing for you as we close the year here? NFL, never short of news. The Raiders, never short of news. Free agency closed with a bang in baseball. Well, it's not closed. I should say uh, has been Has been uh, banging in, in Major League Baseball. Uh, even though I'm not a huge NBA guy, I always say that. Kind of got into basketball a little bit, being in Vegas, look for – you know, when all the game, when all the sports are over, and you still got three NBA games starting at seven o'clock, kind of look at the standings a little more carefully. So I've been kind of following NBA a little bit more since I've been in Vegas, of course, looking for that saver play late in the night. Uh, but you know, there's so so many different places to uh, pick from this evening as we uh, discuss these last couple of NFL games. I think that's a good starting point. Obviously, the big news around the league is, uh, you know. The Raiders, really, because there there aren't that many playoff spots that have to be decided still. There's not like a ton of intrigue. Yeah, for the last wild card spot or two, there's maybe four teams alive in each conference or something like that. But I mean, for the most part, we pretty much know who's getting in and who's not getting in. Um, there's a few that aren't mathematically eliminated yet, but we pretty much know for, with a high degree of certainty who's going to be in the playoffs this year, Pop. The Raiders, we know, will not be – uh, they've made the decision, obviously, to um, part ways with Derek Carr. I just don't understand why you would need to do that now and not wait until the season's over and evaluate things before you know who's going to be your next guy. You know, you're like, why wouldn't you at least watch Stidham first and then evaluate him and then make a decision on Carr? Like, why are they making this decision now? It doesn't make any sense to me, Pop. What are your feelings? What are your thoughts? My feelings
2: is just, I, I just, I just. Who is Josh McDaniels? You know what I mean? Like, who do you think you are? Let's be honest. You know what I mean, Like, Like, who do you – who? and you know I want to cuss. But, like, who do you really think you are? Like, like why why would you do that during Niner week? The 49ers are a Raider rival. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do. You don't bench him for that game. You just don't do it. Because – It's a good game for the fans. It's the final game of the season at home. It's against an old, bitter rival, and you take out the one guy that can help you win the game without any doubt. You know what I mean? I know that it's a tough ask and everything like that, but Derek Carr didn't warrant being benched. He had you in every single game this season except for one. No quarterback in the NFL can say that. Even the even only team that can say something like that is the Eagles, who are 13-2. and two. Everybody in the NFL has been blown out multiple times this season. No team is just really sat in there and really sat up there and had the type of season that the Raiders had. That doesn't warrant you benching your quarterback. That's the biggest problem with – and it's funny because you've been saying McDaniels, you've been on McDaniels' head all season, Mike. Even when we had the three-game winning streak, you still weren't impressed with him. And I'm just like, well, you know, he he, he, you know, he, he got a good little – and it's just – no, it's never been good. It wasn't good in Denver. It's not good here in um, Vegas either. And the biggest person to blame for this whole situation is Mark Davis. I don't care. Rich Bisacci should still be your head coach. That staff should still be intact as your staff. You know what I mean? You, and now what are you doing again, Mark? Now you want to look for a new quarterback. Because what happened was is this. Once again, Mark Davis is having a council with a bunch of hardcore fans that don't know what they're talking about, Mike. You know what I mean? Yo, you need to get rid of Carr. Oh, man, he he's the one holding us up. When are you going to tell yourself that maybe I might go off and try to trade for the best middle linebacker in the league? Because linebackers are always on the free agency market now. They literally linebackers are not valued the same way that they used to be valued. Okay. When are you guys going to find the next Ray Lewis? When are you guys going to find that guy? You know what I mean? When are you guys going to really look for a, a real defensive of leader? You know what I mean? And then what happens is, is that you waste Derek Carr for nine years. Why? Because you gave up uh, Khalil Mack because you didn't want to give him two more million dollars than uh, Aaron Donald. At the end of the day, this man was never supposed to own this team. Mike, you worked for him. You know that. And. God rest his soul. And I know a father-son, I just lost my father. And I know those are real close relationships, but Al Davis never gave off the perception that he was in a close relationship with his son. It was always almost like Tommy Boy from what I saw. I never even had heard of Mark Davis until Al died. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, you need to sell the team, bro, because I think this is a bit too much for you. I know that you you're in love with getting that money that you got out there in Vegas for coming, but you've been it's been a bad deal for you the whole time. Sh- Alderson, the guy who owns uh the 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 guy who owns Sands that own uh Venetian and all that stuff in Vegas, they were supposed to get a part of the team. He didn't want to do he, at the end of the day, Mark Davis scared him off. You know what I mean? Because Mark Davis was too, he 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 wanted to be too hands-on. He wanted to say, no, 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 we want to kind of have a little bit more say in what's going on with the Raiders. You know what I mean? Because we're going to put a big investment into the team. And we're going to make life a lot easier for you in Vegas as well, too. That didn't happen. And I said from that, and I remember saying as a joke that, And they had Bank of America, and that's when the Bank of America story came out that the Raiders might not have enough money to move. And I said, man, pull it along, Bank of America. You know what I mean? And, you know, this is why the Raiders couldn't get back to Los Angeles, because of Mark Davis, man. Mark Davis is a terrible owner. He's the owner that they all laugh at when he comes to the meetings. So... Literally, at the end of the day, it starts at the top, and, the, and I think that the Raiders just need to blow – the, the Raiders just need a new – they need a new figurehead. They need somebody leading them that's going to lead them into the direction of winning, not the direction of, okay, uh, flavors of the week, and let me see who uh, I can bring in here who pissed my dad off when he was alive. You know what I mean? Because let's keep it real. Charles Woodson and John Gruden really are not supposed to be anywhere near the Raiders. And they look at them. They're right there. You know what I mean? So I'm done. I'm done. I can do this all day, Mike.
1: Do you mean, do you mean he backtracked off of his father's wishes? You know, anybody that his father had a beef with, you know, he kind of like went against it or, you know, welcomed back Gruden, welcomed back Woods. Is that kind of what you're saying? Right, because that once you're a Raider, you're you're always a Raider. That's not true.
2: One it's sometimes when you're a Raider and you pissed Al off, you were just a Raider, but you don't get to be once a Raider, always a Raider. Like Marcus, as Marcus Allen. You know what I mean, but Marcus claims him now because Al's dead. You feel me? He wasn't claiming him when he, he went to the Hall of Fame. I'm I'm a Kansas City Chief. You remember that, Mike? Come on, man. You know what I mean? So that's how I feel like if my dad was the owner of a team and he told me these list of people can't come back, then don't let them come back. He does. He, he, he you know, they're using the Raiders for because they know it's easy because it's him. And that's where I go back to Tommy Boy. You may, you we all remember the movie Tommy Boy. And Tommy was very very dimwitted. You know what I mean? Recipes to Chris Farley, too. One of the best. One of the best. You know what I mean? These kids don't even know. But um, I'm just – I know a lot of Raider fans who listen to the show probably will be like, that pop just does not know what he's talking about right now. But this is my opinion, and that's how I feel. And I just really feel like you can't do – a guy like Derek Carr like that because me and you both sat here, Mike, from 2003 to 2013 after Rich Gannon left, and we had the worst quarterback carousel I've ever seen in my life. There was, like, no hope at quarterback for the Raiders for years. You know, drafting Jamarcus Russell, bringing in an old Kerry Collins, bringing in Jason Campbell, bringing in Matt Schaub. Who else did they bring in? Bruce Gradkowski. Um, drafting
1: Andrew Walter.
2: You want me to just keep going on about bad quarterbacks, Jeff? I mean, uh, Mike. My bad.
1: You, you know, look, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been taking uh taking this whole thing in and, and then listening listening to you you, you you bring up so many different things that I want to chime in on, but I I think you kinda hit it. You explained how you feel about it. And I think there's only a few days a year in sports. Usually it's when somebody like passes away or something where, you know, all the talk shows and talking heads on TV and everything, they kind of like sit back and let one another just kind of talk. It's kind of crazy because that usually happens when like somebody dies, right? Like, you know, your favorite hero from the back of the day maybe is, you know, quarterback or head coach, or maybe somebody not even in sports or whatever, or maybe it's somebody in music industry or something. I remember like when David Bowie died, you know, people would just call into different shows and start crying and stuff, you know, this isn't a death, obviously, but it's, I think it's pretty clear with a lot of Raider fans that are not in supportive of the decision that it's kind of, uh, you know, sports wise, you know, not a real life wise sports wise kind of a death, right? Because somebody kind of invested, you know, your heart and emotions into every Sunday and every off season, you know, for seven, eight, nine years, you know, and then all of a sudden gets the axe unjustly or in our minds, in a lot of people's minds, unjustly and part of whether something is just or not pop has to do a lot with whatever your, what are your alternatives? Right? Are there better alternatives? And I want you to consider something. You went through that litany of, that big old long list of quarterbacks that the Raiders have had between Gannon and getting Derek Carr. There's a lot of quarterbacks. Now, think of how many teams have gone through the exact same thing. The Miami Dolphins and Cleveland Browns and Houston Texans. And we could go on and on and on with how many quarterbacks have gone through a gazillion quarterbacks during a 10, 15, 20 year period, or whenever since their last starting quarterback that was there to stay. Right. And so what does it kind of tell you tells you that these guys are hard to find. It's not like baseball, man, where, you know, you have a lot of starting pitchers, you know, and all of them are effective to an extent. I mean, every team has effective starting pitchers. Imagine a team that had, like, zero pitchers. And they bring in pitchers every single year and nobody works. That's that's football. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having no starting rotation? Like, (laughs) absolutely all of them are garbage every single year for, like, a 15-year period? That's the NFL. It's having no pitching for 15 years. Like, nobody... Occasionally somebody comes in and gives up like two runs or three runs, but they're always getting bombed for five or six. That's the NFL. So you tell me, now you finally got one that's pretty good. Hey, look, he might not be the number one rated quarterback in the league, but hes he's been an MVP candidate. He's gotten you to the playoffs as recently as last year. He's very well liked. He doesn't give you any grief at all. No trouble, great team player, good off-field character. Come on, man. So that's kind of my take on it, man. It's, it's really hard to find starting pitchers in this league. What are you going to do now? What's next? You go with Jarrett Stidham. How many teams has Stidham been on? And he's only been in the league for a couple of years. Right. Why didn't he stick anywhere else if he was so good? Right. So that's kind of my take on it, Pop. Well, I just, I just think it's – the NFL, they get so trigger – happy when it comes to quarterbacks i don't understand why sometimes right you know what i mean <laughs> sometimes it's kind of like what are your options
2: right and... what,
1: what, what like like aren't you looking around the league a league that doesn't have very many starting pitchers and you're getting rid of one right if you put it in the baseball context pop it kind of makes it makes it sound even more bad thing you know what i mean imagine imagine like a Imagine a team that hasn't had a starting pitcher in fifteen years. Can you imagine that? Mm. Everybody comes out there and gives up six runs. Mm. I mean, that's kind of what we're looking at here, right? Look at Zach Wilson. Right. He'd have if we were doing a baseball example. He'd have an ERA of what, fifteen? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? If we were to, oh, man. Anyways, man, I don't want to belabor the point. I think we both are uh, obviously. Puzzled to say the very least, completely in disagreement to say it candidly, and angry to say the most. So let's cool off. Let's take a quick commercial timeout. We'll come back. <laughs> we'll talk about other things besides the Raiders and Derek Carr. Carr unless there are more thoughts for us to kind of, to kind of, or you know, get back out because this has just been a, a very irritating 24 hours here. So we'll see how the commercial, if it lets us cool down a little bit or not. Stay with us, everyone. We'll come back right after this.
3: Follow us on Twitter at Voice Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain is firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com this is the mike abadier show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 18664725788 that's 18664725788 or send an email to Mike at the Mike Now back to this week's program.
1: So during the commercial break, Pop and I were talking a little bit about my days with the Raiders. I was just telling him that, um, Al Davis wasn't a man of many words, at least when it came to him and I interactions, you know, it was always nice and cordial, but he didn't really ever say too much to me. Give me a head nod as we passed each other in the hallway or something like that at the offices. Mark was somebody that I think Poppy alluded to this a little bit earlier Mark was somebody that he kept away from the team and the business so kind of like to give him that you brought up Tommy Boy to bring him into kind of the fold you know it's still his son he loves his son you know let me throw him a bone what he he did was he allowed him to handle the Raiders merch side the merchandising Raiders image. Do they still have the stores the Ra- Raiders image. Yes, they do. Okay, so he Mark used to handle uh, the Raiders merchandising stuff. That was about as close as he got to the Raiders. Other than that, man, he wasn't involved in anything at all. Now I did hear in Al's later years, in his latter years, he would start incorporating mark into more and more stuff so he can learn the business as what i heard i don't know but i just know like during my time there you know the only time you ever saw him was anything related to licensing apparel merchandising that type of stuff i don't know how well groomed he was for this opportunity now one thing i know is that and i and know and like i like that it's a family thing I actually really, really do like that. In a world that was so anti-families-owning things, well, look at the outcome. The result has been now corporations own things. Wasn't it better the first way around with the families-owning things than with the corps-owning things? But people like to bitch and complain. So everything segued from family-owned to corporate-owned. But Marcus held firm. And I'm pretty sure he could sell the Raiders for a ridiculous amount of money way more than what Forbes or anybody will value the organization for. People would if There's a team that people would overpay. It's the Raiders, and by far. I mean, if, you're, if you think of Steve Ballmer, what, 10 years ago, bought the Clippers for, te, uh, what, $4 billion, What would he have paid for the Raiders then? $12 billion? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's not even a contest. Raiders is the most iconic logo in all sports. Probably more than the Yankees. I don't think any other logo is as known globally as the Raiders logo. Still carries weight. I don't and that's with the team's sucking really for thirty years. If you think about it.
2: And you know, a lot of people don't ever say this, but Al Davis, I mean I but they do have a board they do have to answer to. Cause sure. he's not technically the owner. He's the controlling partner. Yeah, that's still sure. that still weighs true, right? Where that know, does. Al owns sixty percent of the team in reality, and then there's forty percent. The forty percent that goes back to the actual board group. Because I I read up on the story of the Raiders on how everything works. Because Al Davis had to like almost mafia that that himself into being the owner of the team because he was the president, and then they always had six other owners. The Raiders were like ran by the Raiders were probably the first NFL team ran by pretty much an a, a, a umbrella of different owners in the NFL. You know what I mean? Because everybody else had some big oil baron or something of that nature, or some some person with a lot of money. You know what I mean? But the Raiders, you know, think, you know, you know, know. that they had to do to, to get that team, in a sense, um, you just know it's the same. It's literally almost the same story as the Lakers. You know what I mean? Where you did a lot. You had to do a lot of maneuvering and things like that to become the owner of the team. So we know that possibly the team will never leave the family. But from what I heard, I hope I'm just not making something up. But when they were when Al passed away, there was kind of a something in place already that they were going to have somebody else take over as the face of the Raiders. So they could go ahead. And, and it was somebody from out late who was a part of that board. And they were going to be – and they were already trying to make the initial moves to come back to Los Angeles. The Raiders tried to come back to Los Angeles for, like, 15 years, you know, because as soon as they got back to Oakland they and they got tricked, you know, then when Oakland told them we ain't got no money to pay for no new stadium, you know, then I was like, damn, we might need to just go back to L.A. with it then, you know. So – Um, you know, he always, you know, and I was very heavy on L.A. That's why L.A. had to stay without a team for 20 years, because he straight up said, I got the rights to L.A. So whenever L.A. wants to talk again, you know, I get the first rights. And so, you know, they didn't play. So they were able to play that down once Mark uh, took over the team. You know what I mean? So there's just a lot of things that always tell me that the Raiders not getting back to L.A. was the first big mistake uh mark davis made and it's just simply because of him you know what i mean because they were trying to get back to la but i'm like you're bringing in all these other extra people and then you're choosing carson as a, a possible destination after the nfl is probably been, is is laughing at the charges for even lit, playing in carson you know what i mean uh they weren't going to use uh Stubhub but they were going to use that they're going to build a stadium over at that old golf course. And we all know if you're from LA, they wanted that Holly, the, the Raiders were going to move into Hollywood park. That same location that they're at right now was going to be the uh, Raiders stadium in the nineties. So it was like no way around that being a stadium at all. So, you know, it's just always to me, I just really feel like the Raiders first thing they felt on was okay. If you leave Oakland, you just got to go, go to LA. You know what I mean? And um they didn't do that. They went to um they went to Vegas and Vegas to me I still think that Vegas is a bad option for sports teams, period point blank. Cause you know how I am, Mike, about the way that uh things are working now. I don't I, I don't really care for the NBA being in bed with uh who were they in bed with DraftKings and the NFL being in bed with uh FanDuel. I think it's a conflict of interest to be honest with you and it gives all these new idiots, all these new betters, some idea that the games are rigged and nothing. And, you know, Vegas is always making the calls and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just like, you know, Vegas probably makes about 10% of their money off of uh, sports books. They make their money off of uh, straight. And when it comes to gambling in Vegas, they make their money off of table games and slots. If anybody who knows Vegas knows this. So, <laughs> you know, a sports book is an entertainment thing. It's a luxury. You know what I mean? It's not an yep. set. That's what a lot of sports betters have to understand. They could care less on who wins that game. They just want your money. You know what I mean? So and lines makers just do this because they have to make sure there's some action, there's some money coming into the house as well too. If there wasn't lines made, they would be having 100% bets on all the favorites. It's that simple, and we know this. And, um, you know, I just think that all in all, it was just a bad choice to even choose Vegas. And I know that does not sound good for somebody who calls Vegas their second home and all this stuff. Vegas is not, to me, it's still not a major sports city, Mike. I don't care. You know what I mean? It's cool that they had the hockey team come. That was something that was kind of needed for hockey because that kind of fits. A baseball team in Vegas would be good, too. But when you put the big boys in there, uh, NFL, NBA, then you get a real conflict of interest, man. And I think with the way that the Raider games work, there's an easy way for everybody to say, are they throwing the games? You know what I mean? Because the way that these games have ended, it's almost like, did Johnny uh, Two Wallets call you up and tell you exactly how the score has to go? Like, literally, seriously. But I'm not speculating to that because I know how bad the Raiders are when it comes to finishing games. I've been dealing with this for the last 38 years. Well, I can't say 38 because I wasn't a baby in the in the, in the the uh, chair watching the Raiders. I, I would say that possibly by the time I was three or four, I, I got a grasp of what I was seeing. <laughs> so 35, Mike Oh man um, But real quick, just real quick You know the Raiders probably only have like five Really good quarterbacks and Derek Carr is one of them Somebody brought that up the other day They said
1: they- all right, so we're, we're
2: the top five Raider quarterbacks of all time Okay, we'll we'll start off With the uh, with the bomber himself Daryl LaMonica Because he's the first guy to show you how to uh, Put the ball out Put the spin on the ball 60 yards uh, down the field. My father even told me this, that Daryl LaMonica was the first real bomber uh, in the NFL, a guy that could throw the ball, like, really, really far, the Broxton bomber. Then you have the great Kenny Stabler. Is Kenny Stabler is is, is the Raider. That's Mr. Raider, period, point, blank. And then you have the Jim Plunkett. You know, and he he gets the nod because he led them to Super Bowls. And then we throw in Rich Gannon simply because he has the MVP. And the last real Raider successful error, he was the one piloting that situation. And then you got Derek Carr. No arguments there, man. I was trying to think. I mean. Who else, Mike? There is nobody else. You know, my favorite one was, was Ben Sevens. Vince Evans, you know, you're going to laugh at me. But one of my favorite Raider years was in L.A. because I'm a big L.A. Raiders fan. I love the L.A. Raiders. So, like, everything about the L.A. Raider history, I love it. So, pretty much my favorite quarterback when from when I was coming up in 93, I think it was 93, because – 94, did they miss? No, they missed the playoffs in 95 because they went back in 96 to Oakland. Now, 94 was a fun, fun year for the Raiders, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Um, It was a fun year. 93 going into 94, actually. That was a fun year. They went to the playoffs, um, and they were doing everything in dramatic fashion that year as well, too. Jeff Hostetler was the quarterback then, Mike, and I loved Jeff Hostetler. Loved Hostetler. Because I don't know what it was about Hostetler that just made him go. But, you know, Hostetler was fresh, a little bit fresh off that uh, Super Bowl. You remember that Super Bowl? You know how Al used to be? He used to really love recruiting Super Bowl guys, Larry Brown. You know what I mean? So, you know, Al used to have a real uh, knack to get guys that were big players in the Super Bowl. So having Hostetler was awesome because Hostetler was a gamer. Like he always figured out ways to come back in a game or it just he did just did everything so good. You know what I mean? And um it was fun to watch Jeff Hosteller. and Vince Evans was his backup, Mike. And that's I love how you always throw off Vince Evans. Vince Evans. Evans, <laughs> man. Hey, See, the Vince guy
1: was Evans. like the guy the guy is like the Julio Franco of football. You're right. And he got the Super Bowl ring with the Bears, too. Yeah, I mean this. This is a dude that you you he didn't exactly know how old he was. Seemed like they were saying he was fifty for like ten years straight. Right, right. <laughs> you know, don't right. tell me Tom Brady. You know, Vince. He's got nothing against. Uh, holds nothing to Vince Evans and how old he was, man. So, so Vince Evans is the first
2: Tom Brady. That's all I know. Well, you know, Warren Moon was out the league at forty-five too. Warren Moon was in the league for yeah. Uh, he played to like, late. It's hard, candidate yeah, like his latter years with the Seahawks and stuff. He was pretty old, right? Right. And, you know, and, and it was crazy because then nobody know he was playing for the Chiefs at the end. That's football life, huh, Mike? Yep. Just like you would say, just like you would argue with anybody uh, tooth and nail that Jerry Rice was a Denver Bronco at the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, for those the li- I mean Ended
2: up with the Broncos. Look, was,
1: the Broncos or, or the Seahawks. Uh, I I don't even, like, I don't even imagine Jerry Rice like that. You know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of those guys in the NFL that kind of, like, hang on a little bit too long and kind of sign on with with some teams just to be there. Like, I get it, but, like, dude, nobody's thinking about your years, you know, the eight receptions and 48 yards with, uh, with the Seahawks. You know what I mean?
2: Right, right. And, um... Well now we got TO trying to come back. And I said, Jerry, you old you old big old goofball, you. I said, you threw him to the wolves. You threw him to the streets. You made you literally cut the man. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then now you're talking about, well, we called up TO because possibly we could bring him back. I was trying to see if he was any good right now. I said, Jerry Jones is just proving to me that he cannot go a week or two weeks without his name being in the news. And this is why Jimmy Johnson just does not deal with this guy at all. You know what I mean? The biggest attention seeker ever, ever. And I feel Jimmy Johnson. You don't never come in no coach's locker room. I know you're the owner, but you talk about my players and my team. Hold on, time out. What do you say? Because you didn't coach up nothing here, and you didn't bring any of these guys in here. All you do is cut checks. Why don't you go cut checks? And that's where you know Jerry Jones. Literally, I think that's 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 why the Cowboys can't win anything because he can't let his ego get out of the way. I mean, winning championships because they're they they're 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 overachieving literally every five years.
1: This is not every season for the Cowboys. So let's keep it real. Yeah, man. Uh, look when you're talking about some of these relationships, um, you know, that one's probably at the top of the list. Jerry John, Jerry, Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. It's almost a tongue twister. Um, you know, that, see, that's, that's one of the cool things I think about sports, you know, NFL and MLB and and others as well is like some of these like soap opera, subplots off the field, off the court, off the diamond type stuff. Um, You know, these type of things can be a part of, and the history of it can be a part of a uh, a long show just about that. I kind of wonder, though, like, does this era, is this era going to produce a lot of the same legendary stuff when people look back at it in 20 years? Or in 20 years, are they going to be looking at the stuff that's 40 and 50 years old, but nothing from the recent history? Sometimes I kind of wonder that. But, um, you know, because we're kind of in that same age group you know within a few years uh, we've experienced some of the same things and some of these stories that i think back at them it's just like i smile because they're really enjoyable memories even these feuds you know even these firings uh i look back and play it out differently in my mind you know what if jerry jones and jimmy johnson got along could they have won five six super bowls you know would jimmy johnson have been able to retool that team with an aging Uh, Aikman and and Emmett. Some of those things we unfortunately get robbed of ever finding out. But I think that's also part of the beauty of sports pop is that we get to kind of play it out the way it happened and then use our minds and imagine what could have been, you know, uh, and debate these things. You know, there's a reason that the term barbershop talk came up and it's because of these exact type of things. So, when you're bringing me back to those guys, man, I love it. I could talk about that kind of stuff all day, Pop. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: you already know what time it is, man. You know you know me. You know, I love my – you know all my history about when it comes to this football stuff. So, you know, I always love talking at – talking at – talking that good talk about, um, you know, the game that we both love. And, um, you know, pretty much that's just uh, – You know, the Raiders, man, I didn't want to get too negative about the situation because this is just an ongoing situation with the Raiders, man, at the end of the day. You know, we have to deal with this literally every single season. And it's just sad because you have a team that's really trying to get back back. to excellent and it's just not happening. You know what I mean? And I think that the people up top keep getting in the way. Even – and I love Al Davis. He even got in the way for a long time. And I just just think that – once they find – they have to figure out when are they going to have a coach that they can just go ahead and trust and just run the show. They haven't had a – coach. The, their, their, their transition from Madden to Flores was perfect. They haven't had a, gr- a real significant coach since that point.
1: Agreed. Let's yep. take our final commercial timeout, and then we'll come back, talk about some picks. Maybe even a couple of predictions here and there as we head into the last couple of days of 2022. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back after this.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
3: on today's hot topics.
1: Back to the final segment of the Mike Avenue show. I'm here with Pop DiBiase. Pop, I know you're going to be coming up with a lot of good picks uh, in the world of sports over the next couple of days. Why don't you let the listeners know how they can reap the benefits of some Pop DiBiase winners? Well, you guys can go on to Twitter,
2: and you guys can go ahead and go on to the Twitter, and you guys can follow me over at uh, at PopDbiasi on um, and then you guys can go ahead. I'm sorry. You guys can follow me at PopDbiasi on Twitter or you guys can email me at PrimeWaveMedia at Yahoo.com and you guys can go ahead and um, ask me any questions that you want to, to become an exclusive client. we are We do have the door open for a select for a exclusive group of people. I'm not taking on everybody. I've never asked for 3000 people to sign up because that's just too many people. But you know, if you want to be a part of the winner's circle, just hit me up and we'll go ahead and we'll get you situated because you know, you gotta be, you can't let everybody into the room, which Mike, you know that. No doubt. Then you become Vegas, Dave and everybody hates you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No doubt about that, brother. So, so talk to me here. You're in the prediction business. What are some of the things they're either looking forward to or that you're predicting for the year 2023? Okay. bowl bold predictions.
2: All right, bowl predictions. And this sounds crazy right now, but college basketball is wide open. But the best-looking team I've seen all year has been UConn. And the second-best team I've seen all year, I'm kind of homering right now, even though they lost two games, but it was early in the year. UCLA. I'm going to go out on a limb and predict UCLA will – UCLA will wind up playing Connecticut. If they don't meet on the way there, they'll play each other in the national championship this year. Okay. 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 All right. Baseball heroes, a team that nobody will probably, well, I I think I'm not really saying anything that's crazy, but this is what's going to happen in baseball this year. The Houston Astros do not make the playoffs and the Texas Rangers actually become the big, big boys in the, uh, AL West just for this season, just for this season. I think that, uh, You know, the Astros, they might have not lost anybody, but they ain't really had anybody either. So that's another bold one. And um, NBA championship, NBA finals. This is, I'm going to trip you out, Mike. This is who I'm putting in the NBA finals this year. The Denver Nuggets will play. They're going to play the Boston Celtics in the uh, championship this year. And okay, what happens is, is Boston raises up number 18. Let's just keep it real. Boston gets number 18 this season. And Boston will probably be in the finals for the next three or four years. I'm going to be that bold because they know how to team build. The Lakers, the, the Lakers know how to chase uh, shiny objects. That's, that's what's going on right now. You know, the Lakers want to – the biggest problem with the Lakers is the Lakers want to be a, a damn uh, – uh, HBO dramedy while the Celtics are over here being an actual basketball team. You know what I mean? Yep. Like are you, Ray, Lakers, are, is this a sitcom or something now? Like, you know, your owner's distracted by Jay Mori. You know what I mean? She's worried about getting married now. Rob Belink is still riding Kobe's coattails and Kobe ain't been with us in years. And LeBron James is still just has this idea that he isn't the problem in Los Angeles and he didn't and he didn't destroy a great unit and a great tradition you know what I mean literally like I'm just like everybody gotta go, and that's sad because we've been saying kind of the same thing for the last ten years, and um, it started to get and it started to really really become a real issue, well at least for me and then um here goes something crazy for the final year. I think we're not going to do CFB until next year, the playoff, even though I'm kind of against that too, Mike, I say we don't get any sec teams in next year's national championship. And we're not going to get an sec team in this year's championship. We're going to get the all big 10 CFP championship, Michigan, Ohio state, the game part two. And guess what happens? Tell me. Ohio State wins by 20. Okay. Yeah, because I think they're going to come give them one of those. We're going to be playing. They'll be playing in a stadium that's uh, – they'll be playing in beautiful California. There won't be any weather issues. And I think that the way that the Ohio State has won in the state of California the last four times, they should be fine. And Michigan has been getting whooped in the state of California the last few times they've been here.
1: So there you have it. There, there it is. Bold predictions, Cotton. There, there it is, man. I, I, I couldn't have done it any better. I just want to really quickly, very off-topic here, say, uh, God bless the uh, soul, repose the soul of the great Pele. He has officially passed away at the age of tw- uh, eighty-two. Um, Based on many reports, we kind of knew that uh, the end was was very near. Um, but Pele is somebody, probably the the first, you know, along with maybe Muhammad Ali, uh, true international superstar. Wouldn't you say, Pop? Those are those are kind of the pioneers of the super superstardom globally. And yeah. uh, and Pele has uh, has now left us, the king of the quote unquote beautiful game. I think he's the one that coined that phrase. When it comes to soccer, um, so just want to take a minute to uh, to acknowledge that he's he's kind of one of those guys that like the very few people that like great grandparents even know, and then their great grandkids currently know. You know what I mean? There's not there's uh, there's 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 nobody out there that doesn't know who Payton is. Uh, okay, let's continue with the predictions a little bit, and I'm going to throw one out really, really quickly, which is that uh, this is a big one here, right? You ready for this pop? The Raiders will not make the playoffs again in 2023. I believe it. (laughs) That's my bold prediction of of, of 2023. The Raiders will not be a playoff team once again in 2023. (laughs) That's even with expanding to a seven-horse field. They can even go to eight teams in the playoffs, I don't know if they'd make it. Because of the yeah. way they run, not because of anything else. Well, if they don't I'm so back- pissed, man. I know this isn't supposed to be a full 100% Raiders show, but this season had a chance to be really special. It legit had a chance to be special. Their damn head coach, man. And you don't hear me going full throttle against anybody ever. I mean, it's very rare, I should say. Very rare that I do that. It's team sport. 11 on offense, 11 on defense, special teams units, head coach, coordinators, position coaches, quality controls coaches, about 100 people involved. Nah, there's one dude who I point the finger at, which is Josh McDaniels. It's never shown me that he's a good head coach, ever. Show me where I'm wrong. And he continues to demonstrate why I don't think he's a good coach. He's just not a winner. What moves have you seen this year where you're like, man, that was brilliant Josh McDaniel stuff. Man, he really learned a lot from Bill Belichick. Is there anything that you've seen this year where you you're, you're have that sentiment? No. One thing, one thing you're like, that is the Bill Belichickian way right there. Like even Flores – who I thought was unjustly fired from Miami, but there were some games on a Dolphins game last year. I'm like, ah, dude, that guy swooped up that strategy from from Belichick and he implemented it perfectly, right? Never, 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 never have I felt anything like that with with McDaniel's,
2: right? And see, that was the biggest problem with, with our boy though. You know what I mean? Uh, he was an awesome coach, you know what I mean? But he was going a little bit too hard as Belichick and I'm not trying to be racial or anything, but you can't intimidate the front office like that when you assert skin tone. You know what I mean? So, you know, all they had to do was just hear a couple of players say, you know, coach is, was kind of, you know, coach was kind of mean in the locker room and he gone. It's that simple. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's gone because, you know, you just can't be walking around just trying to punk the world and everything, Debo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he was a great coach. He was a great coach, just not a, not the right fit for Miami. He would have been perfect in Chicago, though.
1: Well, but my, my point was maybe less so about the unjust firing, even though I I, I did sit, make that comment. But my point was more about that you could see, yeah, and that's what I meant. Like, quality, like you know. Bel-
2: yeah, Belichick's a real, you know, straightforward keep it real with you and he'll embarrass you. And that's what I heard Flores, was doing too.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. That's probably his his, his demise, you know, but again, I just didn't see anything from McDaniel. I haven't seen anything from McDaniels where I'm like, this is brilliant stuff. He's part of a great coaching tree, you know, uh, all, you know, remember like back in the, like the Bill Walsh, to uh, George Seifert, to Mike Holmgren, and John Gruden, and you could go on and on and on with all these guys in that coaching tree. The one thing that was kind of consistent was they kept on uh, reinventing or perfecting the West Coast offense, right? That was a part of that coaching tree. And they all executed on it, depending on what personnel they had, to highlight that team's strengths and to bring out strengths that you didn't even know were there. Right? Even like home grid with the Packers, he didn't necessarily have a great running back, but they had a good rushing team. The way that they implemented the West Coast offense was perfection. They had the right guy in Brett Favre to to run it. And it was beautiful because he could also go downfield, surprise attack over the top. Right? What what flavor? What theme? has Josh McDaniels brought to the Raiders? Is there one thing where you could be like, oh, he brought this from Belichick or from the coaching tree? or Like, what what does he stand on? How does he build his teams? Right. What's his identity? What kind of identity is he looking for? When he drafts, how does he, what's his philosophy? Like, we don't know shit. Right. I, I don't know anything about what he does, except that supposedly he's a good offensive coordinator when he's got Brady. Well, I'm guessing there's probably a few offensive coordinators in the NFL that would be pretty good during Tom Brady peak years. Just just, just a wild guess. Just a wild guess here, Pop. I think you would probably take 15 offensive coordinators from around the league and have them be Tom Brady, peak Tom Brady offensive coordinator, and they could probably do some interesting things. Man, all right, man. This ended up becoming like a one-hour bitch fest regarding the <laughs> Raiders. <laughs> uh, we didn't even get to anything else except for talking. Even when we tried to segue to something else, the predictions, I brought it back to the Raiders somehow. So uh, so that's my one prediction for 2023. No, I'm kidding. I'll come back next week with bigger, better predictions, and uh, and we can really get into once 2022 is behind us, we can start looking forward in the future. I'm sure there's plenty of good things to look at in 2023. Pop, I wish you a very blessed, happy new year. To all the listeners out there, a very blessed, happy new year. Pop, uh, thank you, always, for, as always, for joining the show. Check out Pop's picks. If you're having a little bit of trouble picking out the bowl games or mi- mixing and matching for a parlay, college and pro, NFL, college basketball, NBA, national championship uh, playoff, any of that good stuff, check out Pop DiBiase. As always, thank you for listening. We will see you same plot time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone.
3: An inspirational speaker and an Amazon number one best-selling author, Carol Edmonston has shared her interactive workshops with both children and adults. Whether it's in a school, hospital, or a professional business organization, Carol is committed to impacting quality of life by weaving a connection between mind, body, and spirit through the creativity of doodling. Carol has been profiled in the New York Times and has appeared in Chicken Soup for the Breast Cancer Survivor Soul. Forbes Health, and Women's World, among numerous other publications. Pick up Carol's award-winning book, The Healing Power of Doodling, Mindfulness Therapy to Deal with Stress, Fear, and Life Challenges, today.
0: Sawyer is more than an outdoor company. Every Sawyer product you buy contributes to our common humanity, bringing Sawyer water filtration systems to people in need all around the world. In just 2022 alone, 260,000 households in over 45 countries, received clean drinking water through Sawyer filters. Over the past 10 years, we've teamed up with over 140 charities in 80 countries to provide long-term sustainable relief, domestically, internationally, and in disaster situations. Together...